0: Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word comes from, yet everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Everything from mountaintop beauty and deep forest to meth heads and extreme prejudice. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet into the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed downright unbelievable and tormenting historical atrocities. They have lived through everything from hauntings to cryptic creatures that show up and wreak havoc on their homesteads. The worst creature, though, may be man himself. I, being born and raised in these Appalachian Mountains, know that nothing is beyond a pale of belief, no matter how fantastic it sounds. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has a long legacy of unending tales and adventures. Come with me as I take you on a fantastic journey through these mountains, where things are not always as they seem. I guarantee you it won't be anything like you expected. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Season 2 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. my good friends. Welcome back. Thank you again for stopping by. I remember being a little feller on school days. I'd wake up at 630. That way, I'd have plenty of time to watch me some Captain Kangaroo on TV before I was off to school. Now, unlike a lot of folks, I was able to walk to school for the first few years. I always wondered what it was like to ride a bus before the day came that I finally had to. I remember my first bus driver. His name was Sterling. He was a really good old feller that took good care of all of us kids. Everybody liked him. It never occurred to any of us that any kind of accident could happen at any given moment of our trips to and from school. That's how secure he made us feel. Unfortunately, though, there was one time for some other folks where something did happen. Thinking back now, I can't imagine what must have been going through the minds of the children on that day. You know? come sit down a spell and let me tell you about what happened in Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Just north of Pikeville near the Virginia border sits a small town of Prestonsburg, Kentucky. In 1958 there were scarcely 3,100 residents of the community which still proudly sits in the big sandy valley wrong route 23 which is called the country music highway loretta lynn crystal gale winona and naomi judd billy ray cyrus tom t hall ricky skaggs keith whitley dwight Yoakum, and patty loveless are all from the big sandy valley on the morning of february 28 1958 it was cloudy and cold but the pavement on old route 23 was dry at 7 a.m bus driver John Alex DeRossett began his usual route from Cow Creek to Consolidated Schools in Prestonsburg, stopping to collect the students and the communities of Sugarloaf and Emma along his route. Mr. DeRossett was on schedule. Unlike an uh, older bus that he had driven the day before, the bus that one student described as having its rear emergency door wired shut, bus number 27 had just been serviced and was declared to be in good working condition about 8:10 a.m. three miles east of Prestonsburg, at the mouth of Notley Hollow Mr. DeRossett pulled off the road for two 14-year-old freshman girls Zell Pennington and Joyce Matney stood hugging their books and waiting with six other students Joyce a band member and Zell were best friends both for fashionably long skirts, bobby socks, loafers, and sweaters, as we all know was the style of the day. Just a week earlier, the two had ordered themselves identical Easter outfits. Now they discussed a forthcoming Prestonsburg high school basketball game. With them stood uh, Joyce Matney's little sister, Rita Sherrill, who was eight, who had blue-green eyes and reddish hair. Rita Sherrill was a doll, the prettiest little girl that Ever was, as El said later. The eight students climbed aboard. Somebody asked Joyce Matney what her grandfather's pickup was doing down there in the ditch line. About 200 down, yards down the highway, a pickup was mired up to its axles in a ditch along the side of the road. And a record Wrecker, driven by Donald Dootney Horn, his name was Dootney Horn, was getting into position across the road to pull it out. Because the bus was almost full, Joyce and Azil took separate seats. Joyce and her little sister took seats near the front of the bus, while Azil found one near the back, a section routinely reserved for the older boys. Now, we fellers know that, that to be true, don't we? We thought that the bus driver couldn't see us when we'd back our carrying on. As Mr. DeRossett changed gears, Janice Blackburn, who was 14 and sitting with her feet against the top of the rear wheel well looked up from a book she saw mr horn's wrecker and went back to her reading in the back of the bus the older boys saw the wrecker and one of them said man we're going to hit that wrecker donald dillon of prestonsburg who was on an eighth grader and at the time later said that mr derossett had plenty of time to stop if he'd just looked up and saw the wrecker Now, Donald doesn't recall a collision, but Isaac Vanderpool, who was then 17 and was sitting behind the driver, said that Mr. DeRosa yelled when the bus hit the wrecker's left rear bumper and fender. That was when the students got a bit more excited. Some began screaming, even when the bus turned a hard left toward the river, striking a parked car and nearly missing the trailer owned by Benny Blackburn, who was said to be a notorious Floyd County bootlegger. Most still thought it would stop long before hitting or getting lost or even going into the river. Pennington, who Pennington, who is a Copley now, remembers watching Mr. Blackburn's trailer flash by as the bus plunged head first down the river bank. I remember thinking, we're going to hit the trees in a second now. Then she remembered there were no trees because the river had been swollen and it swallowed them all up that was when everybody realized they were in trouble. The bus came to rest half in the water and half out, and it bobbed in the muddy surface like a yellow fishing boat for a few minutes. Some paid or said one minute, others said five minutes, and of all the times for this to happen, it would have to be when the river was flooding the worst possible time, wouldn't it? But Mr. DeRossett apparently was knocked unconscious. As water gushed through the broken windshield many children sat in stunned silence others cried out and leaped into the aisle near the back of the bus the freezing water closed around the waist of a william Leedy, who was 13. he said he blacked out briefly after the bus stuck it, struck the w- record in the mountain chaos the boy made his way to the rear emergency door and after turning the handle he managed to kick it open he said i went in the water first we were about 30 feet out of the bank and from the bank, and the other boys started jumping out behind me. I was lucky, and I was a good swimmer. I got hold of Jerry Leslie first and pulled him to the river bank, and then just kept going back as long as they were kept screaming and hollering. This is far from over, folks. You're listening to Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend with Larry Bentley. I'll be right back. In the bus, Donald Dillon and his older brother, Winston, 17, prepared to jump into the river. One boy, Bucky Ray Gerald, 14, was with us in the back there, and, but he didn't want to jump. He went back up front to get his sister, and well, he didn't come back. Donald Dillon said that the last I remember was him yelling her name, Katie. All over the bus, brothers and sisters were trying to find each other. Azel said... Others reported seeing terrified small children huddled together against the seats and hugging each other. One boy, David Wright, 14, escaped through an open window and pulled two smaller children with him. Azelle scrambled over three seats to get to the emergency door where a small boy stood, frozen, refusing to jump into the water until his brother arrived. Gazelle told him his brother was already out of the bus, so he would jump, and he did jump. It wasn't true. His brother didn't get out, but Azale still don't know if that little boy hadn't jumped whether he would have made it or not, or even developed a nerve to jump, if she hadn't have told him that. She still don't remember just exactly how she got into the river bank, but still others were flailing in the water. Witnesses said Mr Horn, the record driver, and mister Blackburn the so said bootlegger, slid down the bank and helped save as many children as they could. You might be an Appalachian bootlegger, but just because you make untaxed whiskey don't make you a bad person. Mr. Blackburn later spoke of seeing little kids hanging on the branches and being swept away. Azell said Mr. Blackburn died a few years later. Climbing the riverbank, Azelle looked back and saw the bust, almost completely underwater, with small arms and hands sticking out the windows. As the bus went under, isaac vanderpool swam the length of the bus underwater to try to get through the emergency door at the last minute william Leedy grabbed a small girl by her hair but the current was so strong he said that it swept her away leaving him with a handful of hair jeff gunnell who was 14 remembers standing on the riverbank and watching the bus disappear i didn't think I'd realize or don't think I would realized that everybody didn't get out he said but you looked around and there weren't many people there. The rescue crews and police arrived there and there wasn't anything they could do. There was no sign of a bus anywhere. The river's heavy current had rolled the bus across the river and about 250 yards downstream. We just couldn't believe something as big as a school bus could be in the river and we didn't find it said Floyd County Judge Executive. John M. Stumbo, who was a member of the school board back then. The National Guard was called in as well as Navy divers. It took Army engineers and volunteers 53 hours to find the battered school bus. Thousands of people lined the riverbank and gasped as two bulldozers pulled the wreckage ashore. A little girl's body was hanging halfway out the emergency door. Everybody on the banks just seemed to die away from the horror as it was all dragged up. Volunteers found 15 bodies in mud-cluttered bus. It took another 69 days before the last child, a nine-year-old girl, was found. In the awful aftermath, no daylight hour passed without boats patrolling the river and men running the riverbank. No night passed without volunteers patrolling five bridges under the flare of 88 million candle power searchlights. Ron Hager was a Prestonburg High School sophomore. You could see the lights in the sky at night. William Gerald of Sugarloaf, who was a coal miner then, said his son's body was found in the bus but it was 40 days before the volunteers found Katie, his 13 year old daughter, seven miles downstream. Meanwhile, Mr. Gerald had found a small boat and traveled hundreds of miles down the Big Sandy to the Ohio River in Catletsburg searching for his daughter. The trip took three days. He said, and he wouldn't have stopped except that the Ohio was just so wide that there was no way to possibly search it. If they hadn't found her, I don't know whether I would ever have ever quit, he said. Three of 16 families involved in the fatalities lost all their children. Among them were storekeeper James B. Good and wife Virginia. Those sons were James, who was 12, John 11, as well as a daughter, Anna Laura, Laura. Who was nine and they were all drowned two children were lost from each of four families among them were joyce matney and her little sister rita shirl the dead children ranged in age from eight to seventeen it's the worst thing that's ever happened in floyd county said josephine davidson fields an 84 year old prestonburg woman the very worst thing period Floyd County and eastern Kentucky have grown since the late 1950s. The curvy old two-lane road, once the major north-to-south route in eastern Kentucky, was long ago displaced by a four-lane highway. The cause of the tragedy to this day remains pretty much a mystery. After all these years, witnesses still give conflicting accounts of what actually happened outside and inside the bus before and during the accident. There are lots of things they thought happened, but no proof of it ever existed. I don't think anybody will ever know what exactly happened to tell the truth, said Cheryl Jervis, who was 14-year-old daughter Marcella, was drowned. For the reasons Time magazine called unaccountable, Mr. DeRossett apparently didn't slow down before striking Mr. Horn's wreck truck. He told a reporter in 1959 that Mr. DeRossett had good visibility and plenty of room to pull around me. Donald Dillon said it looked to him like Mr. DeRossett started to pull around the record, but accidentally snagged the truck's bumper. Questions about mechanical problems involving steering and brakes on the bus were never answered because its front wheels were pulled off while the vehicle was being raised from the river. Suggestions that Mr. DeRossett might have suffered a heart attack were refuted by an autopsy that found he drowned at the steering wheel. Mr. Horn declined to comment, but he had denied suggestions that he backed the wrecker into the approaching bus. People who suffer through an experience like that have, have to blame somebody, I guess, said Preston's lawyer, Woodrow Burchett. Sometimes accidents just happen, he said. No criminal charges or lawsuits were filed, although Burchett said he later conducted a court of inquiry at the request of Mr. DeRossett's family. Several of the 21 survivors testified, as did two bystanders who were given lie detector tests. A report filed by Floyd County Judge Henry Stumbo cleared the 27-year-old bus driver of allegations that he had been negligent or careless, said Mr. Burchett. Parents of the drowned children voted to share insurance payments they collected from the school board, about two dollars to $3,000 for each student with the DeRossett family. Mr. Horn gave the victim's parents the insurance money he received for his damaged record. A group called the School Bus Disaster Committee raised about $55,000, which was divided among the 16 families after paying funeral expenses. Some of the students who got out of the bus attended a string of grim funerals that followed. Some found that they just couldn't do it. I felt guilty, said Azil. I kept thinking of what their parents would think looking at me. The accident changed her life, she said, before she and the Matinee girls had waited and played in the river near the homes and their entire lives. And at that point, she said, uh, but I could never go around it again. Hadn't been in it since. School was suspended for weeks in Floyd County, but when it resumed, Azile couldn't bring herself to get on a bus. But after a few cab rides to school, she finally got on the bus, and she said it was awful. I remember grabbing the handle of the door, being stiff as a poker, and getting sick after I got to school, but I did it. Winston Dillon told a reporter ten years later that he never returned to school. I just couldn't stand to see that in the empty seats. I had gone through grade school with most of those boys. For years, Azil had nightmares. When her two children started school, they became the central figures in the dream, she said. Now that I look back on it, I think we all probably needed counseling help, but people just didn't think of that type of thing back then. And I'm here to tell you, they they sure didn't because I was around back, well, just after back then. Not quite that old, but just after that. William Leedy said that a stretch in the Marines after school helped him sort out his psychological problem. The only object marking the site of the accident now was a rotting post of a rusty guardrail that was put up soon after the accident. James B. Goble said that the majority of the victims, parents just didn't want a monument. Mr. Goble and his wife had another child four years after their three children were drowned. The majority of the parents feel that every time it's brought up it just rips a scab off a whole bunch of healing that they've done, had to do and that Mr. Goble said we're reminded every time we pass by it anyway. A memorial to the school bus victims is located about midway point of the convention center and May Lodge at Jenny Wilkie Park. stone monument sits at a, Top of a heart-shaped garden. Three plaques are displayed on the monument. One plaque has 27 crosses representing the children and bus driver who died at the accident. And a cross stands at the heart's point. The monument was dedicated in 1994. Prestonsburg school bus disaster was one of the, or was the worst accident in the U.S. at the time, and it's only been exceeded by one other. I mean, we may end up covering it before it's over with. But I hope you've enjoyed hearing our story today. As some t- stories just have to be told. If you have, please rate and review the podcast and don't forget to follow us please. Of course you'll be following Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend to get this this and to get this podcast, but uh, you can also get the World of Murder Mystery and Legend here and along with the Deviant Report. If you'd like even more episodes of all of those podcasts and to include the Deviant Report, then uh, become a sc- subscriber for dollar ninety nine a month. that get extra episodes of those as well as the regular episodes too. Please join us on Facebook at Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast, where we can discuss anything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back real soon with another Appalachian murder mystery or legend. I'll see you then.